We want to thank you today for joining us at Truth Chapel's podcast. I pray this word would bring you life. I pray that it would edify you, encourage you, and enlighten you. If you have a moment, please subscribe and leave us a review. We will be so grateful. God bless, and let this word speak to your heart today. We're going to study a little bit. Turn with me in your Bible to the book of Ephesians. And tonight, we're going to study a little bit from the book of Ephesians. I have not yet fully completed my series on, um, uh, fully completed my series on uh, heroes of the faith. And I'll get back to it. I'll, I'll jump off here just for a moment and chase this squirrel. And um, chase this squirrel for a minute. But I want to talk about the seven walks of Ephesians. The seven walks seven walks we find in the book of Ephesians. If I had time tonight, I would love to read for you the entire book of Ephesians because I believe it is very powerful. Ephesians is a book of uh, learning and instruction. It is a book about believing and behaving. And Paul, um, I've said this so many times before, and it's one of the, uh, Paul's one of my favorite authors in the Bible. And I'll say it again. I, I like redundancy, but I like you to understand it. And when you read, it helps you read and understand that Paul writes in orthodoxy and orthopraxy, right behavior and right believing. Orthodoxy being correct doctrine, what we believe, we correctly believe. But also orthopraxy, right practice, how we act, what is our conduct. And so tonight we're going to talk a little bit about that from the book of Ephesians. And we, we see this contrast in the book of Ephesians, I'm going to read for you just a couple scriptures. Let you be seated. It's been standing for a while. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. When you have it, just say, I got it. And you, somebody say me. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespassing sins. Me, you. Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherein he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, hath quickened us together with Christ. Amen. Somebody said amen. Amen. May God add his blessing to the word tonight. God help us not only to be hearers but doers. And we'll be careful to give you praise and glory. Someone shout in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for standing with us. And again, thank you, Kyle, for blessing us tonight. Amen. You could have just probably just kept right on. Probably just had a little uh, concert tonight. Just Kyle on the piano. If I could play piano like that, that's all I would do. I'd just be sitting and playing piano and singing. I'm like, Pastor, preach sometime. No, I'm just going to play piano and sing. Because uh, that I just love that. The book of Ephesians written by Paul, writing to the church in Ephesus. Um, and the people there in Ephesus uh, called the Ephesians. Uh, he's writing to a church. I think it always does us good to understand and remember 
that when Paul writes in these certain books, Ephesians and Galatians and Thessalonians, that he's writing to a church. He's not just writing to the world. He's not just writing to people. He's not just writing uh, a book for anybody, everybody, everywhere to read. But it is a specific book written to a church, and I believe uh, uh, in, in our current time that it's written to the church. Not, not just a church, but he's writing to the church. And he's, he's writing to people, and I believe that this helps you and it helps me when I, when I read these scriptures and I read these books. is to understand that Paul is writing to Gentiles who knew nothing of Yahweh until they were converted. And when you understand that, it makes sense. Because many of us in this room, we've been in church for a long time. We, we, we've done it. We've seen it done. We know all the ins and the outs. We know all the angles. We know how to be good Christians or at least to appear to be good Christians. Can I get an amen right there? Amen. And, and, and we know the ropes, you know, and we understand. So when we read the Bible sometimes, we're just reading as a piece of literature. We're not understanding the, the, the concept of what, of what Paul, of, of not only what Paul is writing, but who Paul is writing to. You have to understand, most of us in this room today, even before we actually dedicated our lives to Christ and came to Christ in, in, in the way that we would say, I'm saved, we came to Christ, we gave our lives to Christ, we had some kind of understanding of religion, some thought process, because most of us, if not all of us, were raised in a Christian nation where church was a thing and Sunday school was a thing and we knew people that talked about God and we all understand the concept of Jesus. We, we know who that is and, and, and we understand that in some way, form or fashion. But Paul is writing to people that knew none of this until they met an apostle, until they met someone that said, man, come to my house tonight, we're cooking dinner, and we got to tell you about this man named Jesus. And these Gentiles who, they, they knew nothing about it, they, they, knew, they knew none of the rituals, they knew none of the dietary standard, they knew none of the dress code, they knew... Probably none of them were circumcised. None of them had lived that lifestyle. None of them knew about, uh, you know, the sacrifices in the tabernacle or the temple. None of them, probably none of them knew Abraham or Moses or David. These are Gentiles. They know nothing of this. Maybe a few of them have heard it from friends or seen something or, you know, if they're learned people or maybe educated, they may understand something from a different religion or background, but to them, they know nothing. So when Paul is writing a book like Ephesians, he's writing to the church at Ephesus, which are a church of Gentiles. They, they don't know anything about this. They know nothing. They know nothing of the Jewish lifestyle, the Jewish standard, and they know nothing of Jesus. And here they are introduced to this man who loved them so much that he died for them. And, and many of them have, have, are even, they've come to this moment because they saw someone do miracles, signs and wonders, and they were like, man, this is real. This is unbelievable. And their hearts were touched, and they gave their life to Christ, all of them in, in, in this book. Now, I don't know about today, but in this book, all of them had several things. All of them, all these people that Paul is writing to, they have all repented of their sins. They have all been baptized in Jesus' name. And they have all received the Holy Ghost by the infilling of the Holy Ghost by the evidence of speaking in tongues. That's what we know for sure, 
No one, no one in the no one in Ephesians is part of a denomination that does things differently. Let me say that again. Nobody who this book is written to, the church in Ephesus, none of them are Baptist, Presbyterian, Pentecostal, Methodist, Catholic, none of them. Not a single solitary one of them. All they know is I repented of my sins. I got baptized in Jesus' name. I got filled with the Holy Ghost. And man, I am just, my mind is blown. And I am excited about this new life. What do I need to do? And there's two schools of thoughts. There's two school of thoughts. There's a, the, the school of Peter. And Peter's saying, man, look, you, you can't eat shrimp. You cannot eat bacon. I know you like it. You can't eat bacon. You, 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 you cannot marry, be given in marriage. You have to do this the, the Jewish way. All of y'all men, I don't care how old you are, y'all got to be circumcised. This is literally what, Paul, what Peter's preaching. And so the, the church is like pulled between these two thoughts because the other thought is Paul. And Paul is like, hey, look, we're glad you're here. Uh, you don't have to do all the things that, that we did. But you do have to th do the things that Christ did. There's not a, God, God doesn't have a dietary plan for you, but he does have a lifestyle plan for you. Right? And so there's, there's these two trains of thoughts. And when you put yourself as an Ephesian, as a person in the church of Ephesus who's sitting down reading this letter from Paul, here's what he says. He says, you, you were dead in your sins. You were dead in your sins. And this is how you used to walk. And so the first walk I want to talk about tonight is the old walk. The old walk. This is how you used to walk. Here's what he says. In time past, ye walked according to the course of this world. You were literally step for step in beat with the exactly like the world was doing. And, and that, that walk that you walked, that old walk, it was according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. You, you thought you were doing what you wanted to do, but actually you were in sync, in step with exactly what the enemy of this world was doing. Like you, like to me, it, it's so funny, you know, knowing the scripture, knowing the word of God, knowing how God works and being a student of how God works to look at the world and to see people thinking they are being so independent. I'm being so, I'm, I'm being such an individual by doing this and then knowing this, you're just like, you're not an individual at all. You are literally falling. You are walking in sync, in step with the, the way the enemy of this world wants you to walk. You are literally step for step. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. But the steps of an unrighteous man are ordered by what? The prince and power of the air and the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Among who also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Watch how Paul separates those two, those two things. This is the walk. The walk that we walk is the fulfillment of not only our flesh, but also our mind, and we're by nature the children of wrath. It was just nature. It was just the nature of people. It was just the nature of us. It was just the nature of human beings. We walked in the order and the nature 
and we walked in sync with exactly what the world was doing. It wasn't that we were individuals. It wasn't that we were trying to live free. It wasn't that we were trying to be something special. It was that we were just following the lust of our flesh, the lust of our eye, the, the pride of life. We, we were following the lust of our, of our minds. Whatever we thought, that's what it was. Whatever we wanted, that's what we got. Whatever we desired, that's what we had. And he said, but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, he quickened us together. And that word quicken is, is literally like, if, if you can put this in your mind, it's like literally like someone putting the paddles on you and saying clear and pop, shock them. That's what he means when he says quicken. He said, you've been brought back to life. You were dead, but God quickened you together with Christ and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He's saying that that old walk, the old walk, you were just following along. The old walk, you were just going with the crowd. The old walk, you were just doing what everybody else was doing. And the same spirit of disobedience in you was the same spirit of disobedience in them. Sometimes, you know, we look at the world and we kind of grade people on, oh, this is really bad sin. This is like medium sin. And this is like rare sin. You got the well done sinners and the medium sinners and, 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 and the medium rare sinners and then the rare sinners. You got, you know, we, we grade sin. And, and what we have to understand is that God, God doesn't have a graph. Let me say that again. God does not have a graph. He's not like, oh, this person is much worse than this person because this person over here, their sin is this and their sin is that. Read Romans chapter 1, and you'll see that all those sins, like uh, envy and murder in the same sentence, right? He's like, the people that envy, I think of them the same as the fornicators and the adulterers and the murderers. Like, this is, to him it's the same, and he says, all those that do these things are worthy of death. God's not grading. We, we are. And so he's saying, look, I know you, your sin may not have been as, you may not think your sin was as bad as this other person says, but look, we were all, we all had our conversations in time past in the lust of our flesh. We fulfilled our will. We did what we wanted to do. If we thought it, we, we, we grabbed it. If we wanted it, we grabbed it. We were all, we all have the old walk. And we know what the old walk looks like. We know what the old walk feels like. And every once in a while, when we walk in, we start getting that old walk again, that old. Now, now, now some of y'all weren't raised in the 80s and 90s when, you know, you, you, I mean, I mean, you had to have a walk. And the cooler your walk was, the cooler you were. How silly were we? But we know the old walk, we all have the old walk. He says, in verse 6, he hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are we saved through faith and not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You didn't start walking so good one day that God was like, man, that's a good walk. 
You didn't just decide one day, you know what, I'm going to start walking better. And God was like, I really love that walk. I love that guy. He's a good walker. He's got a good walk. He's got a, he has good conduct. He has good character. He has good behavior. And when I say walk, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about conduct, character, behavior, integrity. Behavior, what you do, how you behave. Not, not just what you say, but how you walk. What are your actions? What is your conduct? In the military, you know, people would get in trouble, and, and when they would get in trouble, let's say a GI went out on the town, got drunk, wrecked a car, got a DUI, sometimes they would kick him out of the military or give him some kind of punishment, and they would call it conduct unbecoming a soldier. That means his conduct was unbecoming of a soldier, and he would be reprimanded or kicked out of the military because of his conduct. It's like, no, I'm... I'm I'm a good fighter. I'm a, you know, I'm a good soldier. I'm okay, yeah, but your conduct is unbecoming of a soldier. So you can so when I talk about walk, it's our conduct. And there's nothing that you did that made you good enough for God. And there's nothing that you can do that makes you good enough for God. Lest any man should boast. Lest any man should say, you know what? God loves me because I am good. No, for we are his, watch verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath ordained that we should walk in them. Number two, the second of the seven walks in the book of Ephesians is walk in good works. I walk in good works. I know, here's what I know. I know that my good works don't save me. It's not about saving. What's what he's trying to say here? He's trying to say you are his workmanship, so you should act like you're his workmanship. This is where some people get off the boat because they're like, you know what, it really doesn't matter because what I do, I mean, can't save me, and, and my works, I can't boast in my works, so what I do, can, so it doesn't matter what I do. Amen? That's the religious world that we live in today. We live in a religious world who says we are not saved by our works, so it don't really matter what I do. Because I'm, I'm just like, once I'm saved, I'm always saved. Because God saved me, and it's nothing that I did for him to save me. So, I mean, I just lie, cheat, steal, fornicate, adulterate. I just be doing all the things. Because it doesn't matter what I do. Because I can't do anything. I can't do anything to save myself. And I can't do anything to make myself good. So I'll just do whatever I want to do. But Paul's saying this. Paul's saying, no, you are not saved by your works, lest any man should boast. But you are his workmanship. You're his workmanship. You are created in Christ Jesus unto good. God made you for good works. So we should walk in them. We should walk in them. We should walk how he made us. We should walk in good works. You should do your best to walk in good works. Because you are his workmanship. You need to show off who your maker is. This is, this is sometimes you, you can't even tell that some folks is like, I, I may see you in the house on Sunday but it, during the week, I really can't tell if you're Christian or not 
because of how you talk, conduct, act, how you behave, what you do behind closed doors, what you do around people who ain't in the church, how you live, what's your conversation. And you may come back and say, well, pastor, it doesn't matter what I do because I'm not saved by my works. And I say, actually, that's not totally true. You need to represent the one who made you, and he made you. He's the workman who made you, and you should walk in the good works that he made you in. You should represent whose you are. Because if the world can't see it, then how do they know you are it? If you're going to be who you say you are, then we need to see it. Because your actions speak louder than your words. Yeah. We're saved by grace, absolutely. And none of us have never walked in so much goodness that God was impressed or God said, you know what, they get a get-out-of-jail-free card. You know, go to heaven, don't pass go, don't collect your dollars, go straight to heaven. You're just so good. None of us do that. None of us have that. But when I am out and about in my life, my conduct, my character, again, Paul's writing to people who don't know how to behave. Paul is writing this book to people who have no conduct of behavior. The Jews have lived at this point for thousands of years with a code of conduct. But the Gentiles have not. They have no code of conduct. They haven't lived under. I mean, a Jewish kid, by the time you're 12 years old, you know. You have to know. To get into the next part of your life, you have to know the code of conduct. But the Gentiles don't know. And he's not writing to Jews. He's writing to Gentiles who have no code of conduct. And he's saying, listen, you can't just say you are. You need to walk in the good works that he made you for. That's what he says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1. This is connected to this. This is, this is, the, this is the third one. He says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Number three is walk worthy. This is the third walk. Walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Walk worthy. Now, how do I walk worthy? Watch it. Watch it, verse two. Walk worthy with all lowliness and meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all who is above all and through, uh, through all and in you all. Now, we quote that one Lord, one faith, one baptism as a oneness you know, statement, which I believe that. There is one Lord, there is one faith, there, is one, there ain't three baptisms. There isn't, a, there isn't, hey, look, you were baptized this way, you were baptized that way, you know, it, it doesn't matter, it's, you know, ever how you was baptized, fine. One baptism. One faith. There's just one faith. It's not like two or three faiths, not two or three, you know, there's not like, you know, several different ways you can go. One faith. And there's one Lord. One. Not three. One. Definitely. But as Paul is quoting this, he's not necessarily quoting this to people who are struggling with oneness. Especially Godhead, he's quoting it to people that are struggling with oneness amongst themselves. He is expressing a concept of unity, not a concept of Godhead. He's saying to them, 
walk worthy of the vocation. Walk worthy. And here's how you walk worthy. With lowliness and meekness. Anybody know what meekness is? Because meekness is usually disregarded as weakness. Meekness or, or humility. But that's not what meekness is. Meekness is, I'll put it to you a way I heard it recently. Meekness is having the ability to be violent, but choosing not to. That's meekness. The ancient term for meekness, the biblical term for meekness is having power, strength, and ability, but choosing not to use it for personal gain. It's not weakness. It's actually strength under control. That's meekness. He said, here's how you walk worthy. You know what you're capable of. You know what you can do, but you choose to have that part of your life under control, and you're low, and you long-suffering, and you forbear one another in love. See, he's talking to Gentiles. The, the Jews understand unity. They're raised in it. They're connected to it. He's talking to Gentiles who literally have lived every man for himself since the beginning of time. So he's teaching them a concept of unity that they don't get. The Jews understand unity. It's all about family. When you look at the Jewish lifestyle, especially in this time, everybody's connected. It's all one thing. They don't go outside of the tribe for nothing else. You got everybody's connected, everybody's together. They do they eat together, they 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 commune together. It is a community of people that are united. You come to the Ephesus, which is a church full of Gentiles, they don't understand that world. Each family is each family. They're living how they live, each man for himself. Ephesus is more like America than it is Israel. Are, are, are you trying to are you catching what I'm trying to say here? Ephesus is more like us than a Jewish community. Ephesus is more like we, every man for himself. So he's talking to people who need to understand the concept of unity. He writes this to all the churches who are Gentiles, like the church in Corinth. He'll tell the church in Corinth, man, look, you, you lack nothing. You have every gift, you have every skill, you have every ability. But when I talk to you, I cannot talk to you with strong meat. I have to bring you milk. And the reason is, is because I hear that there is jealousy in the church and disunity in the church. You guys got all the gifts, you got all the skills, all the ability, but you don't have unity. You hate each other. You fight each other. And he said, so when I come to you, like I can't come to you with the word that I really want to come to you with. I got to back it up and start again, laying the foundations again of old. Because... You're not connected. And so when he says, when he's telling them to walk worthy, this is how you walk worthy. You forbear one another, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And this is when he breaks down the concept of oneness, one body, one spirit. You're called into one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all, who's above all, through all, and in you all. He's, you see, Here's a problem with, 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 with especially, I, I, I would say, 
mostly the, the, the oneness church. Like we are solid on the oneness of God, but we are not solid on the oneness of us. And, and what Paul is preaching here is that like if you want to walk worthy, worthy is that we are one. So he's preaching the concept of oneness, but he's not necessarily, he's not talking about Godhead. He's talking about church. He's talking about us. He's talking to the, the, the Ephesians. He's not trying to teach them that there's one God. He knows that they know there's one God. He's just showing them work, endeavor, work towards keeping the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And he, and he says there's one body. There's one spirit. We are called into one calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Like we're, we're one. It's not just the oneness of God. It's the oneness of us too. We got the oneness of the God thing down. We, got, we, we need to work on the oneness of the church. That's worthy. That's where we walk worthy. Work, walk, 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 to walk worthy of the calling that God has put in us. And this leads me back to the concept of when Jesus, when Jesus looks at the disciples and he says, they will know that you are mine. Why? They'll know you're mine when they see how you love one another. Not how you love me. Not how you sing. Not how you preach. Not how you dance. They will know that you're, you will walk worthy of the vocation that I called you when they see. They'll know these are the ones when they see how you walk together. And, and, and he goes on. He, he says in verse 7, but unto every one of you of us it is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fulfill all things. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. Somebody say fivefold ministry. He's still talking about unity of us. He, he's talking about unity of us. He's like God gave gifts to men. The, the, the same guy that went down is the same guy that went up. And, and he gave gifts unto men when he did that. When, when Jesus Christ left us, he didn't leave us alone, but he gave us a comforter. We talked about it last Sunday, the Paracletos, or two Sundays ago. He gave us a comforter, and he gave gifts unto men. And these gifts are prophets, teachers, preachers, uh, evangelists, pastors, the fivefold ministry. Why? For the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, perfecting ministry and edification till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby we, they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. He's still talking about unity. He's still talking about unity. The whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. Look at your neighbor say, you're important. According to the effectual working in the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. How does the body edify itself? 
Well, so right there, I mean, only five of y'all said something, but all y'all can read that. Maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. How does the body increase? No, not love. The body increases by edifying. How does, how does, how does the body edify? Love. This is church growth 101. How does the body increase? We edify one another. You can't edify somebody if you don't love them. I just, amen. Uh, altar's open. Every part, every part. Look at your neighbor and say every part. Every part. Every part. Every part. Maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Itself. The body edifies itself. If you are waiting for somebody out there to edify somebody in here, you're missing it. You in here edify those in here. I need more time. I need more time. So he said, who maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Watch verse 17. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. The fourth walk is walk not as everyone else. We cannot afford to walk like others walk. This is why I've said this so many times. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it again from the, from the very top. Before, before I am an American, before I am a Native American, before I am a conservative independent, before I'm anything else, before I'm any of those things, I am a Christian. It comes first. My Christianity is the umbrella over everything else that I am. Everything in my life has to fall onto Christianity before it can fall on anything else. My Christianity has to be before I'm a human, has to be before I'm a dad, has to be before I'm a wife, uh, I'm a husband to a wife. It, my Christianity has to be before everything. I cannot afford to walk like everybody else walks. And my Christianity won't let me walk like everybody else walks. My Christianity won't let me comment what everybody else comments. My Christianity won't let me think like everybody else thinks. My Christianity won't let me hate who everyone else hates. My Christianity looks at the abuser and the victim and has compassion on both of them. Because that's my Christianity. If I was just being me, if I was walking like everybody else, I would hate one, love the other. Yeah. If your Christianity doesn't define you first, then what does define you first? 
for a lot of for a lot of Christians, it's easy to see. All we gotta do is go look at your Facebook. We know who you are first and who you are second. Because who you vote for is more important than your Christianity. Your Christianity take a back seat to politics. Politics first. Oh, and, and, you know, Pastor Shaver said, my politics ain't really got nothing to do with what I believe. You know, I keep that separate. Impossible. Impossible. You can't. That's why I'm a conservative independent. Because I don't trust nobody. I don't identify with any party. It's difficult. But because my Christianity is first, sometimes I don't even know who to vote for. Because I'm like, honestly, as a Christian, I can't vote for none of these people. Because my Christianity has to come first. Man, it's so quiet on a Wednesday night. But I can't walk like everyone else. My, my conduct, my integrity, my character. I can't, I can't act like everybody else. I can't, I can't afford to just get angry and lash out at people. Because, because my Christianity stops me from doing that. Because I can't walk like everybody else walks. And some people will get mad and say, well, I think you need to be talking about this kind of stuff. And I think you need to, you need to draw a hard line in the sand. And I can't because that's what everybody else does. I can't draw a hard line in the sand. My Christianity won't let me. The only thing I can draw a hard line in the sand is, is what this Bible says. There is but one God. There's only one way. And sin is sin on all levels. According to the Bible, because this is my Christianity, right? This is my Christianity at work here. According to the Bible, God hates the person that envies his neighbor as much as he hates the homosexual. That's, that's, in, that's in your Bible. You want me to read it for you? You don't want me to read it. You don't want me to read it. Because you don't believe that. You don't believe that. You don't believe that. You've made up in your mind one is worse than the other, but God puts them on the same piece of paper in the same sentence. And so my Christianity has to say, if God can save the alcoholic, then he can save the homosexual. Because that's my Christianity. Listen, if I put my politics in front of it, if I put my politics first, and, and, that, and I, I'm walking like everybody else, then, then I'll have to say, no, absolutely not. God, God doesn't love. God doesn't care. God, no, God does. He loves. He cares. That's because my Christianity's first. My Christianity's first, number one. And that is... Walking, not as everyone else. Listen, here's the deal. Here's what I've learned. If you walk in a biblical fashion, if you walk in a biblical form, if you walk in a biblical way, you will make non-Christian people mad and you'll make Christian people mad. Yeah. And, and here's how we fix it. Let's go to uh, Ephesians 5. I'm moving on. I'm moving on quickly. I'm going to try to finish these up here very fast. He said, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself 
as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Walk in love. This is the fifth walk. We are to walk in love. We're to walk, look at your neighbor and say, walk in love. Don't just say you love, walk in love. Don't just preach you love, walk in love. Don't, don't, don't just go around saying, oh yeah, God is love. Well, what are you? Walk in love. I love this. So let's read uh, Galatians uh, chapter 5 a little bit, and we're going to go to these next two very, very quickly. He says, walk in love, even as God gave his life as a sweet-smelling savor. Watch verse 3. But fornication and uncleanliness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man. Did you catch that? Whoremonger and covetous man. Same, same, same verse. Who is an idolater, have any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be ye not therefore partakers of them. That's, um, that's walking in love. When I walk in love, I don't partake in those things. See, we just, the, the, Paul flips it on him. Because you could take some of these scriptures in Ephesians and say, hey, man, you, you, know, you know, all this stuff's fine. You know, we're not saved by our works. We can, you know, do whatever because God is love and we, are love, we love one another and, and it's going to be fine. But then he says, walk in love, and, he, and then he goes on a list of things. Just to be clear, we know what he's talking about. And at the end of that list, he says, be not ye therefore partakers of them. Don't do these things. See, you can't, you can't just read one verse, one scripture, one moment and say, oh, that's, that's everything. We got it now. We're good. No, you have to understand that this is a letter written to Gentiles. This was their life before this. They saw nothing wrong with these things. They saw no problem with these things. This was just an everyday lifestyle for them. But now God is calling them to something deeper. God is calling them to something higher. God is calling them to something greater. And he's saying, do not be partakers in them. If you walk in love, if you walk in love, you understand these things will not be accepted in the kingdom of God. And you have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. And watch what he said. I love what he says in verse 6. He said, let no man deceive you with vain words. Let no man deceive you with vain words. Don't let anybody talk you into, this is okay. It's all right. It's not okay. You have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ. He said, for ye were sometimes darkness. Watch verse 8. He's, verse 7, he says, don't be partakers with them. Verse 8, he says, but for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. That's, that's 6. Walk as children of the light. He said, you used to be darkness, and you knew how to walk in darkness, but now ye are light in the Lord. 
So walk as children of light. Let me ask us all a question. When we walk into a room, do we bring the light with us? Do people know that we are children of the light by how we illuminate the darkness around us? Do people know you are different? And I'm not talking about because of how preachy you are or how you're always telling everybody what they're doing wrong. But do people know that you are in the light because of the light? They know that I'm in the light and the light's in me because when I show up, the light shows up with me. Do I conduct myself as a child of light? Yes. This is why I believe, for me personally, and I believe for the church, that we should conduct ourselves, we should look, we should act, we should dress, we should behave differently than the world. About 28 minutes there. We should look, we should act, we should dress, we should conduct, we should behave differently than the world. How can they tell us apart if we just look like them all the time, talk like them all the time, go everywhere they go, do everything they do? There's got to be some point where you say, hey, man, I love you, but I can't go do that with you. Why not? Man, because I'm, I'm a child of the light. And, you know, like, like, if, like if that's you, and, and, and I used to be like you, so I'm not judging. I'm not, I'm not judging. You do, you do you, but I'm telling you I can't because I'm a child of the light. I'm not going to sit here and rebuke you and, and, and try to make you feel like you're about to bust hell wide open, but I will tell you that I will not be a partaker in this activity because I am a child of the light. And, we, and, and, and when you do that for a, a good enough time, people are going to start noticing something different about you. Most of us, they know we're different. As soon as we start talking or as soon as we walk into a room or as soon as we smile, nowadays in 2022, all you have to really do is just smile at people, just be kind to them because kindness has plummeted. If, if kindness was on the NASDAQ, it would have plummeted. It's gone. Kindness plummets today. It's crashed. I'm talking about from the server to the people getting served, everybody is mad. And if you just be kind and smile and love on people, oh, thank you so much. Call them by their name. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Just, just smile. Really, today, just smiling will get you a thousand miles with people. I'm reminded of a friend of mine who, who was in another country uh, for several years. Um, he's not in that country no more because they tried to kill him. He, he's actually in America now. He started a church. Um, uh, matter of fact, uh, I, I believe that Holly and Trevor Jordan actually attend his church now. Uh, in uh, where they at? Minnesota or somewhere like that. Um, and uh, he, he was telling us this years ago when he was in that country. They literally tried to kill him because he was preaching. But he was there for like a, a long time, had no converts, nothing was happening. And he prayed one day, he was like, Lord, okay, like if nothing's going to happen, then I'm just going to go home. Like, I, I'm, you know, I'm missing family and, and, you know, my family's over here with me and this is a very hostile country and, and, if, and we're not going to have no converts. And the Lord spoke to him and said, smile at people and the people that smile back, talk to them. And so literally this was his, this was his outreach program. He would walk down the streets of the city that he was in and he would just smile. And every person that would smile back at him, because this was a country that did not have Christ. 
They had no Christ. And so kindness was really, really low. When the people would smile back, those are the people that he would talk to, and he began to start having converts, getting Bible studies, talking to people, baptizing people in Jesus' name. People started receiving the Holy Ghost. Well, as his church began to grow, the country came against him, and they tried to kill him. He had to flee with him and his family because they were literally about to take his life because he was having so many converts. His outreach program was smile at people. Walk as children of the light. Listen, sometimes we think it's so difficult, we got to stand on the street corner and get a boom box and be like, and Bible thump and tell everybody they're going to hell. But, but, but really, honestly, the truth of the matter could be you just being kind to somebody in the neighborhood, kind to a, to a friend, kind to a coworker, kind to the person serving you pizza at Marco's. Thank you. And when you feel that back, man, where do you go to church? I can't tell you how many people I ask that when people smile back at me and I feel that connection, my first question is, man, where do you go to church? And, and if they say, I'm not going to church somewhere, oh, look, I, I know where your new church is. And if they say, oh, I go to church up here, I'm like, man, that's awesome. I'm so glad you go to church because everybody needs to go to church. But listen, I, I know your church is awesome, but the best church in the world right down the street. You should totally come check it out. I'm like, the fact that I'm the pastor don't have really nothing to do with that. But the people there are phenomenal. You would, you would love it. You got to come check it out. Yeah. And number seven. Ephesians 5. Uh, we'll continue to read here. Um, you are sometimes darkness, but now are in the, in, in ye the light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth proving what is acceptable unto the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness but rather reprove them. Now some people take that that number 11 right there and they say, "Well, I don't I don't I don't have no friends who ain't in church." Be, be careful, that's not what it's saying. It's that he's not saying I have no fellowship with unfruitful people or bad people because I mean, how can, we are in the world but we're not of the world. How can we not do that? I know a lot of sinners most of them sitting in his room. And have no fellowship. Facts. Right? We all come short of the glory of God. Amen? He said have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Okay? Like, you may be going over here to do bad, and, but I'm not going with you. I'm not fellowshipping in your works. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're hanging out at the library, but we ain't hanging out at the club. Because I have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Like, like, I know you, you know me, we're cool. I'm trying to witness to you, we're trying to hang out. But my witnessing stops when the alcohol starts. Amen? I'm not going to sip a few with you just so we can be cool. You got me? I'm, I have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. I say no. Nay, nay, not me. That's for me and my house. Watch what, what it says in verse 12. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. Lord, help us all. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore, he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Verse 15, in the last one, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, 
redeeming the time because the days are evil. The last one, walk circumspectly. This is a, the ancient word for circumspectly is akribos. It is where we get our word accurately. The word circumspectly means exactly. It means accurately and it means diligently. He said, see that you walk accurately. See that you walk diligently. See that you walk exactly. This changes the whole game because when Paul's writing to these Gentiles who really have no concept of all this, he's telling them, listen, you need to walk and you need to get it right every time. You need to walk accurately. You need to walk exactly. There's no room for error here. You need to be diligent in your accuracy. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a, a roundabout. We don't round up to the nearest decimal. No, we're exact. We're not, we're not rounding up or rounding down. We're, we're, we're not moving to the left, moving to the right. The word of God is line upon line and precept upon precept. His promises are yea and amen. And he wants us to walk accurately as well. Will we make mistakes? Absolutely. Yeah. Most of us are walking in mistakes right now. Most of us are, are, are dealing with stuff right now. It, 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 it's life. But when I think of these things and, and I see myself as an Ephesian, that Paul is writing to me, writing to the church, writing to a non-Jewish uh, uh, audience who, 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 who doesn't have all this stuff and who, who's trying to learn, I need to remember the old walk and not walk in that. I need to walk in good works and I need to walk worthy of the vocation that he called me. And I don't need to walk as everyone else walks. And I need to walk in love. And I need, I need to walk as a child of the light. I should be able, people should be able to see me as a child of the light. And I need to walk accurately. I need to walk accurately, exactly, diligently. I need to walk circumspectly, not as a fool, but as a wise person, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what was going on in Ephesus when Paul wrote this book, but I know what's going on in America as I read this book. I know what's going on in our world, and the days are evil. You can't see it. He was not watching. Evil. No other explanation than evil. No other explanation than evil. People say, how could someone do what they did evil? That's all. I just, I, I can't wrap my mind around it other than there is an evil spirit in the world walking in the ways of the prince and the power of the air, walking after the, the, the lust of the flesh and walking after the lust of the mind. The days are evil. So because the days are evil, me and you, we should learn to walk in the light we should learn to walk circumspectly. We should learn to walk exactly. There is no room for error in 2022. We need to, every one of us need to make up our mind and say, you know what? I'm walking it because the days are evil. 
My children are worth me walking in the light. My children are worth me walking accurately. My, my future is worth me walking accurately. My ministry is worth me walking accurately. My reputation is worth me walking accurately. My unsaved family, they're worth me walking accurately. They can say what they want to say. They can do what they want to do. But I have decided I'm going to walk as close to accurately as I can. And the church said amen. Would you stand on your feet and would you give God a shout of praise for the worship? We want to thank you again for joining us on the Truth Chapel podcast. May you have a blessed day and walk in the favor of the Lord.